Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. <laughs> Heaven! Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. It's fall. The geese are headed south, and it's time for you to hit the woods. So button things up, find where they hide, and pattern the deer you seek. Come into Cabela's Great Outdoor Days and save over 20% on Herder's Select Grade Handgun Ammo. Save $180 after mail-in rebate on Walther PPS M2 pistols with instant savings of $80. And get a Vortex Diamondback 3.5 to 10x50 VPlex rifle scope, just $149.99. Shop in-store and at Cabela's.com. This, this, this is the Drive and Dish Podcast, talking about NBA news, stats, and fantasy. To start it off, it's Tim Tompkins. It seems like the Heat this year, with the way that they're built, they have a lot to prove, and I think that they could potentially be the two seed in the East. Kevin Rayfuse. It's October 28th. The Spurs play the Thunder. And so you got Lamar Saldridge making his debut with San Antonio. You've got Kevin Durant, first game back, coming off foot surgery. You know, we know these teams have battled before, twice in the Western Conference Finals. Justin Kuzart. you got to get somebody around Davis. Maybe some guards that can get him the ball, so not Lance Stevenson. Uh, <laughs> Let's go. So just a bit of background for how these episodes kind of come together. We record nearly every single one on a Saturday. Now, yeah. obviously, there's exceptions with some of the midweeks and, you know, every once in a while, there'll be something different. But we record on Saturday. So I understand that we're not necessarily going to be. We're not dressed to impress. Sometimes. Yeah, we're not dressed yeah. to impress. And full disclosure, I. I'm in a t-shirt and basketball shorts right now. So I'm not really trying to impress anyone. Right. However, Tim Tompkins <laughs> Jesus, dude. walked in here today and I'm telling you is wearing the worst outfit of all time. <laughs> like bar none. Like I don't think you could get any worse. The only thing is maybe if you were wearing a, a wife beater would make it worse. I, I would never wear a wife beater. I actually wear them under my shirt. Under, a lot. right? Yeah. yeah. But um, yeah, dude, your your <laughs> your outfit. Like, did you deliberately? I was so proud of myself when I picked out this outfit this morning. I, I'm not kidding. I was so proud of myself. You're, I think you're proud of yourself because you know how ironic you're being about how bad this outfit is. I feel like this. But it's so bad, it's good. No, that no, doesn't work. No, there's no way. Okay, first off, and our listeners don't know, so let's let the, Kevin, let's try to describe this for our listeners for a second. So he's got this, I'm going to say teal shirt. It is teal. It I is think. It's a I'm teal shirt. So I'm not t-shirt. sure. Teal t shirt, which the is fine. It's honestly not bad. The no. shirt's probably the only redeeming thing about all this. But then he's got different colored red plaidish 
pants. They're like checkered and it's, burnt it, orange and, and burnt orange and, just, oh, and maroon. No, it's like a quilt. They look it's like, like a, a quilt. No, a good, it is. good. No, that's a, that's a good mm-hmm. that's a good description. It's like a quilt that's different shades of red and yellow. Needless to say, it doesn't match with teal. <laughs> no, and then the kicker is the Crocs with the socks. Don't forget about my translucent glasses. Well, I wasn't going to. I see, no, see, I for- you off easy. We've already <laughs> roasted you wearing Crocs and socks before. See, I forgot you were wearing glasses. I can't worst, see them. Mm-hmm. The tra- Tim's translucent glasses look like if you ever had science class back <laughs> in like middle school or elementary school, something like that, when you were learning how to use a microscope and huh. just doing basic, like, basic science experiments. And they just look like those awful safety goggles that you used like, to use if you had anything remotely How much dangerous. did they cost you, if you don't mind me asking? Too much. Anything, any amount of money <laughs> that you paid free, for those too is too much. <laughs> I like these glasses. No, they they are big. They're yeah, nice. Yeah, um, they are big. They're, it's, they're very Riverside. Yeah, no, I was going to say, this, I feel like this outfit proves 100% that you are a hipster. The... Absolutely. I, I'm not. But the, the <laughs> great thing about being in your early 30s, and a lot of people listening don't know what Riverside is, but it's the, uh, it's a hipster part of town. Yeah. But being in your early 30s, having a girlfriend and living in the hipster part of town means you can dress however you want all of the time. You are fine. clearly living that life right now. And just to preface this, because I know this is obviously an audio thing. You can't actually see Tim. Yeah. But we're going to get we a have, picture. When we have cover pictures of these episodes and we're going to we're going to tweet this at Driving Dish NBA. You guys just have to see how <laughs> awful this outfit is. So stay oh, tuned man. for that pure awesomeness actually. Mm-hmm. But in the meantime, this is the Driving Dish NBA podcast. My name is Kevin Rafe. joining me to my left, my co-host Tim Tompkins. Ball don't lie. And behind the boards, keeping us honest as always, our producer Justin Kuzart. How come when Pizza Rat stumbles down the stairs with food, it's virtual video? But when I do it, I'm drunk and I'm told I have to go home. Why are you stumbling? <laughs> are you are you going to live in the sewers when you're stumbling with pizza after you've been drinking? No, I just just stumbling down the stairs, man. Just stumbling. <laughs> Just in case you guys don't know, Justin is a hilarious follow on Twitter, and he posts original jokes, which people don't do that often. <laughs> no, and he, some of them are spot on, and some of them are not. Some but, of them are complete misses. I don't know which ones are spot on and complete misses because nobody favors any of them. So, <laughs> but he, regardless, Justin is so proud of his jokes, I and am, he should be. I guess so. I guess Justin so is shameless on Twitter. It's as shameless as Tim's outfit right now. It, it really is. <laughs> So as we do with every week, we're going to read an iTunes review and just let you guys know that we really do appreciate them. They aren't just to stroke our egos. Uh, They really do help us climb up the iTunes ranks. And so what we want you to do right now, it is as easy as sending a text message. You have your iPhone up. You're listening to this podcast. Click the search button. Search for the podcast again. Trust me on this one. Then once it comes up, there's going to be a little review button. Just type in a little review. We'll read it. We'll read it on the show, and we really do appreciate it. Yeah, this week we have one from Sweden. It's our first one from Sweden. It's a five-star review. The title of it is Thumbs Up. It's by Ellison Snig. Ellison says, fair input, great discussions about the week of basketball. Recommended. Very vanilla, uh, but we always appreciate. It's our first one in Sweden. We're not going to get any more (laughs) Swedish reviews now. Just killing them. Thank you. Um, I was trying to think of a joke about Swedish people, but I, I, nothing came to mind. So yeah, no, that, that was a very... And, and, and who was it from? It was from Ellison Snyke. Oh, I so hope I said that right. Ellison? 
Ellison. Do you think that Ellison is a popular name in Sweden? I don't know. I've never been to Sweden. Hmm, we should go. I'm down. Well, enough about that, but um, we wanted to let you guys know that we do this pretty cool thing called Periscope. Kevin would disagree, but it's fine. We do this pretty cool thing called Periscope <laughs> during our episode recording on Saturdays where we give you a little live behind-the-scenes view. It's live streaming. It's pretty cool. Uh, if you ever want to see the link or find out what it is, just check in with us on Twitter and uh, we'll post the link up on Saturdays around like 11-ish usually. So Eastern Standard Time, yeah. yeah. Why don't we get some news? Tell me something I do not know. Do not know. Now. If you do not know the present, how can you claim to know the future? Now on NBA News on the Drive and Dish podcast. We need to know now. All right, first in the news, Wesley Matthews could be out until Christmas because of his injury. Apparently, Paul Pierce does not let his teammates wear LeBron James's shoes. Dirk said he plans to play about two more seasons. There's been reports that Denver is likely to sign Mike Miller. LeBron was talking about Tristan Thompson's contract negotiations, and he said, I'm not involved. The Nuggets have said that Emmanuel Moutier will be their starter in the beginning of the season. Markeith Morris said, I want to be with the Suns, which is surprising because that's not what he said in the past. And last senior news, Parsons had minor hybrid microfracture knee surgery, but he should be back before the season starts. And that's your news for this week. Something. So Adam Silver, being Adam Silver, is continuing to make changes. And one change that he decided to make, along with other people, obviously, is that they are going to change the format of the NBA Finals to give right. teams more rest in between games, namely the traveling team. Oh, yeah, we really need to stretch out the finals any longer than the NBA playoffs are already stretched out. Well, no, I'm all right with this. I mean, I get it, but... It's just kind of like three days between every game now, really. It, it's well, not. It's not between every game. It's every other game. It's yeah. Three so days here's between. here's the here's the explanation of it. So for the 2016 NBA Finals, Game One is going to be on Thursday, June second. Game Two is going to be on Sunday, June fifth. Three days. Game Three is going to be on Wednesday, June eighth. Game Four, Friday, June tenth. Game Five, Monday, June thirteenth. Game Six, if needed. Thursday, June sixteenth, game seven, Sunday, June nineteenth. Okay, so all but one or three days. Mm-hmm. And and so yeah, I mean it just stretches I'm glad that there's gonna be games on a Friday now. Yeah, which is because just, that's just selfish for us because well, we so, all work morning shift. Well, and, no, my, but last year when I when it was during the, the during the finals, I was blown. My mind was blown that a game wasn't on a Friday. Well, so my question is and Kevin, I know Tim probably won't care about this as much as as you and me maybe would, but hockey's on around that time. The playoffs in hockey is happening. So my question, in last year, they had it really set good where it was one day it was hockey, the next day it was basketball, and they never overlapped each other. Now I'm curious to see with this new schedule if maybe somehow they're going to overlap they or won't. if they're, they'll be they're, able to avoid each other. They almost other. always work that out, and if anything... You know, now hockey has two different days to choose from, and they don't right. directly overlap. I mean, there's playoffs going on. NBA playoffs usually go later than hockey playoffs, okay. put it that way. Hockey playoffs are usually over by, I think it's like the first week of June. Hockey playoffs are over, and basketball is so much, maybe the much first later three games the summer. of finals yeah. for the NBA. Might I'm not, be yeah, I'm not too worried about that. I mean, that'll be fine. And if I have to watch... Both. I have to watch both. I'll have two screens going. Yeah. Oh darn. It's not ideal, but oh well. <laughs> yeah. No, I agree. So we'll see. We'll see how this works out. I guess trying to trying to keep the teams healthy. You well, know. When I first saw this, my my initial reaction was, it seems like this really favors the older uh, players, o- o- older players, and also teams that are really starter heavy. 
So the Clippers, the Cavs, the, Cavs. Well, um, the the Spurs to a certain extent, just because of their age, maybe not so much this year going into it. Oh, you know, then again, they do have Tony Parker. But yeah, it seems like this is this kind of favors those types of teams and doesn't favor teams like the Warriors. Well, it seems like you can't get any momentum going. I mean, you know, sooner you win a game and you're riding the high of that game, you got to wait three days now. But on the same same side is they're going to come into each game fresh. Everyone's yeah. going to be fresh. So the winner, in theory, would be the team that is better. Like, there's no chance for just a team to have an off night, which oh, well, there's always a chance for that. But, I mean... It won't every- be because their legs are tired. Yeah, it mm-hmm. won't be because they're tired. So, I mean, it. I think it... I don't know. I... I see it working out for both teams. I agree that maybe it makes the finals a little bit longer. They don't have to be, but you know, we'll we'll see if the experiment works. Yeah, and I assume that if it doesn't, they will go back and revert to their old ways because it looks like Adam Silver doesn't mind changing things. Agreed. So we are joined now by a special guest here on the podcast, the one and only Zach Harper. You know him at Talk Hoops on Twitter. He's an NBA writer for CBS Sports and WolfAmongWolves.com, also the Eye on Basketball podcast. Zach, appreciate you joining us. Thanks for having me. So the Minnesota Timberwolves, what a wild few years it's been. You go from Kevin Love wants out. It seems like, you know, when a superstar leaves his team that you never get fair value back. Instead, LeBron goes back to Cleveland, just setting off this whole chain of events. And now the Minnesota Timberwolves go from a disgruntled Kevin Love to having Andrew Wiggins get the number one overall pick, getting Carl Anthony Towns in the fold. And it seems like there's just a lot of good feelings around this team right now. So going into training camp as we approach the preseason, you know, what's the atmosphere like in Minnesota right now? I mean, I think it's hopeful. I think people should also recognize that this team's still bad. Uh, they're still a very bad team. They, it looks like they're headed in the right direction. They're going to be good in the future. But this was a what 16-win team last year, and they weren't that they weren't as bad as the record. That came with a lot of injuries, so many injuries that at one point they signed Sean Kilpatrick to a 10-day contract, literally because he was in town. That's why he got the deal. It's not because they were that high on him. I mean, he was good and he's a good shooter, but they they had so many injuries. They were just looking for guys in proximity who were qualified to play. Um, so maybe they were a 25-win team. They've, they've bolstered the roster over the last year. Maybe that puts them up to 30, 35 wins. That's still not a good team, but you have your cornerstones. You have Andrew Wiggins, who is just going to be an incredible superstar, already looked like a star in his first year. You have Carl Anthony Towns, so I think uh, you at least expect to be a solid player. Maybe, maybe he's not a, an incredible superstar in the NBA, but even if he's like Al Horford, Al Horford's one of the best big men. So if you get that out of him, that would be an incredible win. You've got a lot of good talent in uh, Zach Levine or Shabazz Muhammad or Gorgie Jang, maybe Adrian Payne can be something, maybe Tyus Jones can be something. Uh, they just have a lot of things that, that look like they're going in the right direction. You said it, like it could have been an absolute mess when you lose your superstar, and they may have gotten the best return any team's ever gotten uh, when they're kind of faced with that situation. When you mentioned the first cornerstone of it and the big haul from the Kevin Love trade, and that's Andrew Wiggins, coming off his Rookie of the Year season, a lot to be encouraged about. And we we can already see how good of an athlete he is, which we kind of knew going into the draft. And we saw that last year where he often uses just his athleticism to make plays. But it seemed like he shied away from the three-point line, and it seemed like he didn't attack the rim as much as he could. He kind of settled for that mid-range jumper, only shooting 31% behind the arc next year. You know, What's the next step in Andrew Wiggins' game, and what will it take for him to reach the potential that we all think he can? I think it's, it's I think it's similar to what you saw with Paul George a couple of years ago, where he just has to be comfortable handling the basketball. He doesn't. He's not a very strong dribbler. He does get a, a lot off athleticism, but he doesn't have a strong handle on the ball when he's 
when he's moving to spots to get to get his open shots. Now he did get a little more aggressive as the year went on, and he ended up, I think, over the last month or two months, he was averaging like 10 free throw attempts per game. Um, but, yeah, he, he completely shot away from the three-point shot. I think maybe he took one game, if that, and he was only shooting like 16% after the All-Star break. Uh, but it looked like something early in the season that, that could do well for him. He also played a ton of minutes. I mean, he was one of the top minutes guys in the league, not just for rookies, but for anybody. And they asked him to play way too many minutes down the stretch. I think part of that's fatigue. Part of that's flips offense of, uh, you, you know, not big on three-pointers, wants to get the ball in the middle of the floor, and so Wiggins did that. Uh, but if he can learn how to just be comfortable getting into shots with the dribble, then really there's no limitation to what he can do. I think his shooting stroke's good. Um, he's a solid free-throw shooter. He's great around the basket. If he can get to the spots he wants to get to without a lot of, uh, without a lot of hindrance from the defense because his, his handle's so good, you know, I think that that ends up making Paul George kind of his floor of what he can be, and that's a hell of a player. Well, so then my question to you, if if you were in control of this team, if you were the coach, who would be your starting five for this season? Because I feel like they have a lot of players that deserve a good amount of minutes that may, you know, potentially not see as many as they might like. Yeah, it's, it's a little bit crowded, and, you know, I think some of that will get taken care of just by – you know, the likelihood of injury, Nikola Pekovic doesn't play a full season, Kevin Garnett doesn't play full seasons anymore. So once I think you can assume those two will at least be banged up enough or go down at some point with, with some kind of injury to where that opens up the log jam in the front court a little bit. I think the, the starting lineup I'd like to see is Rubio at point guard, the wings are Wiggins and Kevin Martin, and then Kevin Garnett and Carl Anthony Towns as the as the big men. Um, I think you need a mixture of, of the youth and veterans to teach them how to play. I know a lot of people just say, put the five young guys out there and, and let them get experience. I'm a big proponent of, of competition to earn minutes. If, if Shabazz Muhammad and Zach Levine can't prove that they're better than or de- more deserving of minutes than you know, Andre Miller and Kevin Martin and Tayshaun Prince this year, then they, then they probably shouldn't be playing uh, in the first place. They need to get better. And so I, I think creating competition for minutes is a, a good thing that Flip likes to do, and I think it's something that will help develop the talent. Yeah, I, I think you're right about that, Zach, and I think that Flip Saunders uh, shares your opinion as far as players earning minutes, and, and we know that he likes players to earn those regardless of their draft position. And do you expect Towns to just come in and get that starting role, or is he going to have to prove it uh, day one of the season? Is Towns going to be starting over Peck, or should we expect to see Peck in that, in that starting role? I think actually the more likely scenario is that Gorgie uh, starts over Carl Anthony Towns. I think that would be the the, the guy who maybe gets that starting nod over him. Uh, they they talked about last year wanting to bring Peck off the bench and and have him be kind of that uh, you know maybe big man role player that come in and just bang heads around for 18 minutes and get a bunch of points and grab some rebounds. Uh, they know that they have to limit his minutes in the first place because he's just a 290-pound pit bull that just can't move all that well. And so you want to kind of take away the wear and tear on him. Um, but I think that I think Towns will have to earn it. I think he will earn it. I mean, Flip said this about Wiggins going into last season. If he's not guaranteed a starting spot, he's got to earn it. Wiggins was good enough to earn it right away, and he did that. I think Towns will be the same way. So do you think that we can expect to see Towns and, and Jang sharing floor time? Yeah, I think so, because I think they're going to they're gonna swing – Towns between the the four and the five. They did. They actually put Gorgie at the four uh, quite a bit um, last season when when they could. They tried out Pekovic and Gorgie together, and it wasn't a wasn't a great combination. But they were willing to play around with it. 
Um, but I think you'll see Towns kind of playing all over the place just to, based on the matchup and based on what they feel they can get away with. So the other guy that we mentioned a little bit is Zach Levine, and we know going into the league and then obviously was on full display at the dunk contest just of how freakish of an athlete this guy is. And it seemed like he started to get a little more consistent of a jumper towards the second half of the season. But what what is his ceiling, I guess? And is there a way that he possibly can get better on defense? Because that seems to be where he's lacking at this point. Yeah, I mean, I think just consistently reminding him to get a, a defensive position is is a huge start because he, he is athletic and he's long and he's quick. And I think he has the right makeup to be a solid defender uh, I think you just have to teach him how to play defense, and that's something that maybe maybe he didn't get enough time at UCLA, maybe he didn't get enough time in high school. Um, you know, some of those Seattle guys don't exactly play defense in the first place, but I think that with him, you you know, it's just a matter of getting reps in and and, and learning the the team. And that team was a disaster on defense anyway last year; they were the worst in the league. Um, I think a lot of that was injuries, but uh, you know, it's just as a unit they need to get better, and he and he's a big part of that. And I think that. If he can stay on the floor because he's not a liability defensively, then you'll start seeing that consistent jumper come through. You'll start seeing him attacking the basket like he did in the second half of the season. Uh, I don't want to completely buy into the second half of the season because I think we've seen guys like the one that comes to mind is I think Terrence Williams of the Nets uh, in like 2011, maybe 2010, was like averaging a triple-double the last month of the season. People were like, wow, this guy may be one of the better young players in the league, and then we never heard from him again. So I don't think that will happen with Zach Levine, but sometimes those end-of-season, you know, looter in a riot type scenarios can be misleading. Well, and you brought it up that their their defense was a very, very probably one of their most weak points on their team. Has Have they done anything else other than, you know, pick up different players and stuff like that? Like, how have they approached trying to get better on the defensive side? Well, I think that I think being healthy will be a huge key to that because in the starting lineup, you know, that I'm hoping for with with Rubio, Martin, Wiggins, Towns, and KG, you have four defenders on the floor there. Rubio is one of the better defensive point guards in the league when he's healthy. Uh, Kevin Martin's a saloon door on defense, so he's not going to give any resistance. But Wiggins is a really good defender. You know, KG can still play really good team defense. I think Towns will probably have foul troubles early on because most young big men do, but once he gets the hang of it, I think he'll be a solid defender. Uh, but this was this team was awful at defending the rim last year. Even Gorgie Jang, who was supposed to be their rim protector, I think he averaged I think he allowed like fifty five, fifty six percent at the rim because he just couldn't cover all that ground in time. So I think just having a, a more solid unit on the perimeter will cut down on on driving into the lane and getting in the middle of the floor and then they can recover a little bit easier and not be so spread out. So Health is probably the biggest way to at least get them away from the 30 spot, maybe more towards 21-20 in the league. So you've talked a lot about health, Zach, and it seems like I've been following the Timberwolves. They are my favorite team. I'm a Suns fan myself, but uh, the Timberwolves are a close second for me. And it just seems like every year it's just injury after injury. Some of those injuries I've always felt like, Eh, Peck sprained his ankle. Let's sit him out for two months. I'm not really sure quite how bad the injuries really are. But regardless, is there optimism with with in the Wolves organization and even the fans for that point going into this year that this year might be a little bit different? It's my understanding they're now working with the Mayo Clinic, so maybe that might help. Yeah, and they've, they've I mean, in the past they didn't have the greatest facilities. They're kind of in the basement of the Target Center, and and they've put a ton of money into a new. Um, workout facility, a new training facility that has, you know, state-of-the-art medical equipment, and they've really, I mean, since Flip Saunders has come back to the organization, 
he's made a big push towards getting them at least in the right position medically. You're still going to have freak injuries here and there, but I think they want to be more proactive like the Suns have been. I mean, the, the Suns are the best in the league at keeping guys healthy and, and kind of preventing injuries, and I think they want to move towards that. They hired Arnie Kander, um, who was with the Pistons for 23 years, who's just one of the – regarded as one of the best physical therapists uh, – uh, around um, in the NBA, and so they've brought in a couple of guys over the years. They brought in Arnie Kander this summer. Um, I think they're at least going to be in a position to keep guys healthy. They just have to, you know, avoid those sprained ankles and torn ligaments and see if that can work. And a guy who's been injured, who didn't have a great rookie season, but got off to a much stronger start last year, but then got hurt again is Shabazz Muhammad. And now as we enter his third year, what realistically is he at this point, and how do you think he factors into the Wolves going forward? I mean, he's just a scorer. I mean, he, he's one of those guys that just puts up points efficiently, and you know maybe it's just because he's on a bad team, but it's usually pretty early in games, and when they're fairly competitive and they're fairly competitive with him on the floor, he's still not a great defender. Um, he's not great off the dribble, but he doesn't, he doesn't try to do too much with the ball. He shoots when he's open. He attacks the glass. He, he attacks in transition. And I think that, you know, I think if, if they were going to be a good team next year, like, let's say they were fighting for a playoff spot and 45 to 50 wins, if they were that good, I think he'd be the type of player who's the sixth man of the year candidate because he's just, he's just an incredible scorer off the bench who can put up easy points in a flurry. And so I think that, you want him to, kind of like Zach Levine, you want him to get better with the ball. You want him to be more consistent with his jumper. You want to see him be in a defensive position more, more often. But he's a guy that um, can you know, really put some points on the board, and I think that that's, that's what they're hoping to build towards is, one, keep him healthy so that he can do it for an entire season, but, two, keep that momentum going. Well, and you just brought it up right there. You, you, you said if they're fighting for a playoff spot, I – what are, I guess, for a fan's perspective, what is a realistic expectation for this team? Like, should they be seeing them? Obviously, they'll want them to get some more wins, but, uh, you know, where realistically can fans be happy with them uh, ending next year? Yeah, I think if they're around 30 wins, and it's not just the win total, I think the best example of maybe who you want to be is, is the Utah Jazz of last year, where Utah had started off. They were competitive. They struggled a little bit. They got competitive again. And then down the stretch in the second half of the season, they were the team nobody wanted to play. They ended up being the best defensive team in the league down the stretch. Um, they they were, had a very good record after the All-Star break. But they were a team that – a young team who kind of figured out what their calling was and, and nobody wanted to play. Like they were ruined playoff position for teams that were already getting set and kind of jockeying for position in, in the seeds in the West. I think that's what the Timberwolves' goal should be. Be the team that nobody wants to play the second half of the season. If that means 30 wins, 35 wins, I'm not quite sure, but I think that you just want to be, uh, you want to be organized in that sense and, and kind of find your momentum going into the next season. And I'm not sure if that's actually a real thing. I've asked players about it before. Can you actually build more momentum towards the next season? Some guys say yes, some guys say no, but I think you have to just you have to learn how to win. And I think they, as long as they learn how to win at some point in the season, you can be pretty happy with that. So, Zach, uh, taking away from the Wolves for a second, do you think the Jazz make the playoffs? I, man, I don't know. I, it's, it's hard because you, you don't know how good the Mavericks are going to be. I mean, every time I think the Mavericks are falling out of the playoffs, uh, they, they manage to stick around and they end up the sixth seed or something like that. Uh, I think we can probably all agree that Portland's probably out. I think the Thunder are back in uh, unless Kevin Durant goes down again. I think the Pelicans stick around. So can the Jazz be better than the, the Mavericks? I think so. I, I mean, I think I'd put 
I think I'd put my money on the Jazz making it over them just because I like their identity more. Uh, but if Parsons is healthy right away, if Wes Matthews is healthy right away, if Dirk's healthy for the whole season, um, it's going to be a coin flip between the two of them. Well, you didn't mention the Suns, but I, I won't give you a hard time about that. Uh, so well, I just figure Marquis going to burn down the arena at some point, so I just don't know if they're going to play. Uh, do you think? Um, so, do you think the Suns made the right decision by not honoring Keith's trade request? Yeah, he's they're in no position. I mean, if, if he was going to be a free agent next summer, then I think you may be kicking around. Um, you know, we've seen guys before where it's not it's not the best situation in the summer. They come into training camp, they get back with their teammates. They, they start playing well. The team comes out well. I mean, that team's got a ton of talent. I think that they, they'll come out there and be competitive um, from the get-go as long as they don't implode internally. And I think that you can – I think just once you get back around teammates and, and get back in the swing of the season and preparing for the season, I think that stuff kind of goes away. Like, yeah, he still wants to play with his brother, and he still probably feels like he got screwed in his contract negotiations. That's something that, you know, you learn for next time, and, and, you, and you don't settle for a package deal or whatever because – they can trade your brother at any point. It's a weird. I mean, it's also a weird thing that like you're upset that you don't get to play basketball with your brother professionally. Like that's just not <laughs> something that's been a, a regular demand in NBA history. So it's kind of hard to judge that whole situation. But they've got Brandon Knight, they've got Eric Bledsoe, Tyson Chandler. I mean, they've got a ton of talent on that team. Um, I think that you have to let it kind of you got to let it breathe a little bit and gel. And I think that by not trading him, unless you just had a, an offer that was going to blow you away to get Marquise. Um, sent out of town, I, I think you you got to make him grow up and say, no, you agreed to this deal, you're going to play through this deal. Yeah, I, I agree with you, and I doubt they had that offer that really blew their mind, but taking it back a little bit to the Timberwolves, and I think we'd be remiss to to not mention that with Flip Saunders, and he's undergoing uh, cancer treatment right now, and I guess my question to you is, is there a mood around the team to really come together behind what Flip Saunders is is dealing with? I mean, I, I think everyone feels that. I think once training camp starts on Tuesday, I think you'll really feel that um, because it will be weird that he's not around. Uh, Sam Mitchell's going to take over the coaching duties. Milt Newton is going to take over the, the GM duties for, for now, and, and both guys are capable of filling in there. And I think that uh, they brought in Brian Gates, who's a fantastic assistant coach. Um, Ryan Saunders, Flip's son, is, has been really good with developing skilled players in the NBA in, the, in his short career. Uh, yeah, I think they have the coaching staff to kind of withstand that um, that drop off of not having flip around, and, and I think that they all know that um, there's something kind of bigger to play for mm-hmm. in that respect, and and to come out and be competitive and kind of show him, yeah, what you've been building matters, and and we and we appreciate that opportunity, and we want to win for you. It, you know, maybe they're not good enough to, but I think they'll come out there with that mentality. Well, so the intern uh, coach, Sam Mitchell, does he run a similar style of basketball to, uh, to Flip Saunders? Or, or like, what is he going to run when he's out there? Is he going to try to keep everything the same so uh, there's no learning curve? Yeah, I, I, he's going to keep everything the same. I mean, it, it, he's kind of in an awkward position because, you know, he's, he is auditioning for another coaching job by doing this, um, but he doesn't quite get to run his own stuff. He, he took a lot of stuff from when he played for Flip for the Timberwolves back in the 90s and early 2000s. He took a lot of that stuff and implemented it into his own kind of attack and, and game plan. Uh, some tweaks here and there, maybe a, a little bit better pace than, than what Flip does in the past, maybe uh, better not turning over the ball in certain respects depending on the talent. But I think for the most part, the same the same components are there for what the two like to run, and he's going to run whatever Flip has been trying to install uh, with that team because – 
you know, as much as he probably wants to freelance a little bit more and, and show what he can do as a coach, uh, showing that you can follow that direction of the organization also is good for coaching auditions. So it's one of the sadder sagas in the NBA, and that's Anthony Bennett. He got bought out by the Wolves this week. He's now cleared waivers. There are some reports saying that he's going to go back to Canada, going to Toronto. Why did the Wolves want to move on from Bennett? Was it just a logjam like it kind of seems? And realistically, how successful do you think after two failures now, it seems he can be in the NBA? Yeah, I mean, history is not kind to guys who kind of bounce around teams early on and and you know aren't aren't able to find their way into even their you know fourth fourth year option on a rookie deal. Guys like that don't typically last too long, or at least have um, real successful careers. But I think with him, I don't know. Like you don't want to make excuses for the guy because he still has to play better. But he was injured going into his rookie season. Um, he struggled with injuries last year, and and he came into he actually came into camp last year in incredible shape. Uh, and then when the injuries hit, he wasn't able to keep his conditioning up, and then he struggled, and uh, he didn't have the green light to take outside jumpers, and he you know, kind of looked lost both in the system on offense and defense. And so he just he has a lot to learn, but I think the skills are there. I don't know that he's actually a shooter in a, in a stretch four in the NBA like we want him to be, and I think because of that um, and because you look at Adrian Payne on the roster and Nemanja Vigeliso who's coming over as a EuroLeague MVP, uh, those guys were just better options for them, and, and then you kick in the, you know, the five point eight million dollars this year and the seven million dollars next year. It's not as bad with the rising cap, but it's still money that you know if you don't have to pay it, you don't you know you don't want to for a guy who's maybe a fringe player. I think the key for him is just moving on, finding a situation that's going to allow him to learn how to play basketball and, and stay in shape. And maybe that's Toronto, and if he's more comfortable being at home. Um, you know, more power to him. I think everybody wants to see him do well in the NBA because the more NBA players that who can who can really play and, and contribute, the better for the league. Uh, but he's just got to he's got to find health and he's got to find conditioning and and let his athleticism kind of take over because there are moments where he's running down the middle of the lane on a fast break and he comes through with this gigantic two-handed dunk and everyone's like, "Whoa, where'd that come from?" It's like that's how he plays when he's a healthy player is that he can get up there and dunk on people. Um, I think you just want to see that confidence build. So you don't think that the Wolves bought into his revival toward the summer? Uh, I mean, not not, not for five point eight million dollars for three point six million, and let him go find that revival somewhere else. I think they were willing to do it, but you look at it like they already have five guys who probably should play over him, um, and that's not even counting like if they want to use Tayshawn Prince at the at the four. Uh, they just they didn't have room for him, and so it's better for him to let him go find a place that will allow him to play. Uh, and they saved, I think, $2.2 million in the process. So I think it just worked out for everybody. So Ricky Rubio, we haven't talked about him yet. Um, you know, I've always I've always really enjoyed Ricky Rubio, and I like watching him play. And I think that he's a he's not quite appreciated enough for his ability to to really run an offense. And as you mentioned earlier in the interview, he's, uh, he's amazing defensively. Um, the problem with Rubio is, and everyone knows, he can't score. He can't shoot. He can't score around the basket. And that there's been a, a bunch of trade rumors circulating Rubio this offseason. And what do you make of those? Uh, I can tell you the trade rumors are, are wrong. Um, I know that for sure. Is that um, I, think there are, I think there are situations where a team calls another team and they say, oh, what about Ricky Rubio? And whatever the conversation goes from there, uh, if that gets out of, hey, they were talking about Ricky Rubio, that it comes back to the Timberwolves may trade him, and that's just not, this is not the, the reality of, of what's going on. They're very happy with him as the point guard, at least as of right now. 
Uh, when he's been healthy, he's been a, a decent three-point shooter. I mean, his rookie year, I think he shot 34% from three, and it's not a lot of attempts, and he ended up getting hurt. But up until that point, he was, you know, a little below league average. Um, his third or his, his 2013-14 season, he shot 33% from three, which is not great, but it's still not a disaster. Um, so when he's when he's healthy and he's able to play, the jumper's okay or it's at least good enough. The problem is, like you said, he can't finish around the basket, and so that's where the threat is. Is no one really cares if he can't shoot coming off that pick and roll if he can't get to the basket and finish a layup. Uh, and that's where you really suck the defense in and they get to kick the ball around and, and make them pay from the perimeter with cutters or whatever. And so it was especially bad last year. I think he was like 33% around the rim. Uh, and that's because he was playing on one ankle. Uh, but it's not like he was going to be much better than that in the first place. He was, I mean, he's career like 47, 50% around the rim, which is just really bad. You want, you want to be up around 60%. Um, so if he can get that, I don't even know if it's a strength thing or if it's a comfort thing with him or if it's all mental, um, but there's something keeping him from being able to, to really finish around the rim. And so he can still be, you know, maybe a top 15 point guard in the NBA if, all, if he's healthy and all goes right outside of that. But if he can't learn how to finish, um, then maybe it is a, a guy that eventually they just have to move on from. Well, and so then there's that's my other question. Do you think there will be that the Minnesota Timberwolves will be involved in a trade, maybe not around Rubio, but maybe around some of their other players just to create more playing time for their younger guys? It's possible. I mean, I, I, still, I still think that they want to they want to create competition for minutes, but eventually you have to get rid of the logjam and guys have to step forward. And, um, you know, maybe if Tyus Jones comes in and, and looks like he's going to just, you know, blow the door off the hinges as a point guard because he's a really good scorer in the pick and roll, um, if he comes in and looks like he can play right away, then maybe you start looking next summer into moving Rubio and, and freeing up some time from him um, to get Tyus Jones more more reps in, in there and, and let him learn from guys like Andre Miller. Uh, but I think for now, I think they're kind of set as they are, and they just want to see if the young talent they have can can move forward and, and build on what they have, and, and you kind of start weeding players out from the future based on that. So moving off the Timberwolves for a sec, i got to ask this question. It's the 15-year anniversary of Vince Carter's iconic dunk over Frederick Weiss at the 2000 Olympics in Sydney. And I was just watching the video of it yesterday, and there was a, a big piece on ESPN, the the oral history of it, and it was just great stuff. And I think it's number one in terms of dunks all time in my book. Where does it rank for you? Yeah, this is the greatest dunk I've ever seen. Um, and, and I don't even know if you want to just like – I know we've seen guys jump over other people in dunk contest stuff, but to do it in a game, um, and his his description, the ESPN piece is great, and his description of what was going on and other people's descriptions uh, throughout that oral history is just phenomenal. Um, but it is something where, like, it was just a perfect storm. Like, if if Gary Payton doesn't miss that layup, if, that, if whoever the Frenchman is who throws a horrible outlet behind the back pass doesn't throw that pass that way, um, it just lined up perfectly, and, and it was – caught the ball, two dribbles, and, and just took off. And my favorite description of what happened on that play was him saying, like, I had to really lean forward. Like, I was too far out. I didn't think I could get there. I was just trying to stretch as much as I could. I think we, you know, for years we look at that and we're like, man, he just decided to jump over a guy. And you really find out it was just kind of maybe by accident where he was just jumping. And he ended up clearing the clearing Frederick Weiss, and he ended up having to stretch for it. And, uh and then, and then he almost knocks Kevin Garnett out. <laughs> goes to celebrate with him, and, and he swings wildly. And um, I can't repeat the words, you know, on, on podcast or air. But for people who uh, remember the NBC broadcast later on, they caught a, a timeout 
shortly after, and the words Kevin Garnett was <laughs> describing the play with in the huddle were not SEC worthy by any means. But it was just a it's the best it's the best dunk moment in the history of the game, and I, and I I can't imagine what it would take for someone else. I mean, I think you would have to have someone like windmill over a person in the middle of a lane, like not even on a fast break, but just like coming down the lane on a pick and roll and, and doing that or going between the legs or something like that. I mean, it would take something really incredible to to ju- to literally jump over a guy clearing a 7-2 Frenchman. So, Zach, we haven't really had a chance yet, um, but I, I guess I'll preface this by saying I'm, I'm a bit of a, a podcast junkie and that Ion Basketball is hands down my favorite podcast. And I guess I'm just what what got you into podcasting? Like when when did that start? Did before doing Ion Basketball, had you been podcasting before or? Yeah. Uh, so when I started out um, writing, I, I had a website, talkhoops.net, that's been long dead. Uh, but it was just me you know, thinking I knew what I was writing about, and turns out I had no idea what I was writing about. I had to really learn uh, what I was doing. But, but it was just me and two friends um, from high school that I'm still friends with now. Uh, we were just – I was like, hey, I have this website. We should do a podcast for it. And we would just joke around. And thankfully those podcasts aren't around because they would be probably incriminating at this point. Yeah, and uh, one of – It was just getting the uh, the reps in and, and learning that – uh, I could stand the sound of my own voice, and, and maybe other people could too. And uh, and I don't know. There's some podcasts that are very structured, um, and it works for them. Like I just, for me, it's it's more of a, a free flowing conversation. Like maybe uh, Bill Simmons or the starters when they do the blank jump, you know, the 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 drop podcast, and uh, you know, maybe Zach Lowe's podcast is it's a little more free form and and just kind of tangential. And that's uh, I don't know. That's what I have fun doing and other people at least seem to enjoy it there are some people that really hate it but uh i don't know as long as they're downloading i guess that's okay exactly i I, i'm there with you uh i've been getting ripped on by these two because i said i'd rather have kendrick perkins than uh paul gasol in our very first episode oh god (laughs) oh i don't know i don't know about that No, it's 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 thankfully that that episode was a that was a a, a one with it was a, a pilot episode if you will um so it's it's not available nobody can actually find that anywhere which is nice but as far as podcasting goes what's been the most rewarding experience about the whole thing for you um i think that i was well, a weird thing has been uh a couple of times at las vegas summer league like someone has come up to me and they're like hey i really love the podcast thanks for doing that i think like i i don't know i mean we're all just killing time on the internet some of us get to you know get to do it for a living some of us just uh, just do it to get through the day, and and but that's really all it is. It's like we're just killing time and trying to find something we enjoy. And I think that the people that for some reason like want to thank you for doing a podcast, um, that it's a weird feeling, but it's like that's the most rewarding part. It's just that knowing someone else is willing to kill the time during the day listening to you babble on about you know Nick Cage and then maybe maybe Ray John Rondo. All right, so again, you're listening to the Driving Dish NBA podcast. Kevin Rafe, Tim Tompkins, Justin Kuzar. We want to thank our special guest, Zach Harper. He's at Talk Hoops on Twitter. Again, the Eye on Basketball podcast. Make sure you check that out. Also, his work at CBS Sports and a WolfAmongWolves.com. Zach, thank you so much for your time, man. We really appreciate the insight. Anytime. Love to do it again. So thank you, everybody, for listening to this special midweek edition of the Driving Dish NBA podcast. We really hope you enjoyed the show. Please leave us a review on iTunes. Again, it's not for our ego. It actually helps us move up the ranks. So leave that review on iTunes, and we'll read it on the show. 
And if you happen to have an Android phone and you listen to podcasts on Stitcher, Podbean, TuneIn, Player FM, whatever it might be, leave us a review there and then tweet us and let us know that you left it and we will make sure to mention it on the show. Also, there is still time to get involved in our fantasy basketball draft. All you have to do is like the Facebook page, just search Drive and Dish Podcast. In the very top post, just leave your email right there. We're calling for people to join up with us. And so if you want to get involved in the Drive and Dish Fantasy Basketball League, just like our Facebook page. And if you want to follow us on Twitter, you can follow us at Drive and Dish NBA. You can follow me personally at Justin C on the air. You can follow Kevin at Refuse to Lose. And you can follow Tim at Radio Tim NBA. I think we've done enough dancing for today. So why don't we dance Wednesday? See you, Starside. Okay, well, I'm out of here. Get in the hole. All right, all right, I think they get the point. (laughs) It's fall. The geese are headed south, and it's time for you to hit the woods. So button things up, find where they hide, and pattern the deer you seek. Come into Cabela's Great Outdoor Days and save over 20% on Herder's Select Grade Handgun Ammo. Save $180 after mail-in rebate on Walther PPS M2 pistols with instant savings of $80. And get a Vortex Diamondback 3.5 to 10 by 50 V-Plex rifle scope, just $149.99. Shop in-store and at Cabela's.com. It's fall. The geese are headed south. And it's time for you to hit the woods. So button things up, find where they hide, and pattern the deer you seek. Come into Cabela's Great Outdoor Days and save over 20% on Herder's select-grade handgun ammo. Save $180 after mail-in rebate on Walther PPS M2 pistols with instant savings of $80. And get a Vortex Diamondback 3.5 to 10 by 50 V-Plex rifle scope, just $149.99. Shop in-store and at cabelas.com. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details.